Mansell with HJ Sports, and today we're going to go over our new sites within the Tetra line for 2022. So new for 2022, we actually came out with a new way to mount your scope housing to the infinite adjust bracket. No longer do you have to worry about your vertical adjustments uh, intertwining with the second axis adjustments. So as you'll see on the scope housing, uh, there's actually an additional brick. You can either mount that to the inside of the riser or to the outside of the riser. We recommend that for most traditional bows, you mount that to the inside of the riser and for any sort of sight that you're gonna mount in line with the bow to use the outside. Just flip that around um, and mount it to the outside of the riser. So within each of the product categories, we have the Tetra Max, the Tetra, and then the Tetra LT. As always, our Tetra line of sights come in four different scope housing size options, an inch and three eighths, an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarters, and then also our four pin housing, which is an inch and three quarters. We also offer a 10 thousandths pin and a 19 thousandths pin for both single pin and four pin options. On the Tetra itself, we once again have micro adjustments as well as your macro gain adjustments for left and right. For your vertical adjustments on your Tetra bow sight, you'll want to use the screw right here on the infinite adjust rail and the screw below that. You'll just loosen those and slide it up and down. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra bow sight is the integrated scope ring that has a built-in level. Another key feature on the 2022 Tetra site is the ability to take a 2500 blue burst light. This is an added on accessory, but you can actually put that on there to add light to your pin or to reduce light. With that, we also have mechanical rheostat, which is an exclusive feature to HHA on the Tetra line. You'll be able to turn in the rheostat if you want to dim the light, and then you'll also be able to turn it out if you want to let more light in. Also on our 2022 Tetra line bow sights, the Tetra comes in either a fixed frame, our Hunter Edition frame, or it comes on a four to eight inch adjustable dovetail. All HHA products are 100% made and sourced in the USA, and they carry a 100% lifetime warranty. For any more questions, please visit our website at www.hjsports.com. Hello, we're at the ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. 
Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. I am your host, Jeff Vance. And tonight I have the solo hardcore hunter coming back on again. Uh, Wendell has been on the podcast once prior, and uh, I was talking to him before or just a few moments ago. And my guest for tonight canceled because he just had one of those long days. And we all have had those points in times where your your brain is just fried and it's one of those things where you just can't function so there's no sense in trying to bring that fatigue into a conversation that's just going to be half-assed and it's not going to be full-hearted anyways so i wasn't upset with the whole thing and it's like i'm pretty go with the flow anyways the, the hat of the episode is hjusa so please go out there and, and check out the upcoming 2022 season for hjusa archery and such so and go to their website hjsports.com to pick up your latest gears and swag so wendell my friend how is your how has how has been the last few months of your life it's been a roller coaster man uh a couple of weeks ago man uh my mom passed away and i've been trying to like you know just cope with that and want to not want to be sad, want to just keep chasing my dreams. And, you know, I'm working hard, trying to get a promotion. At the same time, I'm preparing for turkey season. It's been it's been rough. It's been busy, but you got to keep going, brother. Well, my condolences to you and your family. I know losing a patriarch like that so abruptly is, is rough and such. So, you know, She's in a, she's, uh, she's proud of what you've accomplished and she's looking down upon you and where you're at today. And you're, you're continue grinding. This is the strength that our parents tried to instill in us to go, go above and beyond because we can, we can go into dark places, but it's, it's always looking at the light to give us that better perspective. And so um, my apologies for you and your family and such, but good thing to have you on the podcast and kind of break up your uh, monotony, you know, cause you just show me, you just sent me pictures of your new, uh, new shotgun. Is that a, a 12 or a 20 gauge? Yeah. It's a 12 gauge. Yeah. Nice. Now, well, where'd you, when'd you, where'd you, what's, um, let me uh, stop babbling over myself here, but like, what's the make and model of, of your, well, what's the make uh, the manufacturer of the, uh, the, the shotgun? It's a Citadel Warthog, Boss Hog number one, I believe. And it's just really a, a cheap, beat-up shotgun, you know, beat it up, but it's still reliable, shoots really, really well. It's a 12-gauge. I got a Hunter Specialties Undertaker choke in it, and I'll be shooting the Federal Premium Grand Slam three inches out of it. So we're shooting pretty good up to about 50, 60 yards with it. That's still pretty impressive because when you when you get a price tag of like around that two to three hundred dollar mark, you kind of have low expectations. But I think that's what they wanted you to have is that. But then over deliver when when you actually pull that trigger and watch that those babies fly downrange. 
Yeah, it's an amazing gun. I mean, for a semi-automatic shotgun, I think it performs absolutely amazing. I haven't had no, you know, no fells with it, no problem injecting shells. I mean, it just runs really, really smooth. It's pretty shocking. That's good. I'm glad that they really manu- really focused on the the um, the gas flow of that and get that cycling down just the way it should be. And then, how does it handle the uh, the, sh- the is it, does it kick like a mule or does it have a nice balance with it where you still feel that strength behind it, but it doesn't like your it's not going all straight into your collarbone. Yeah, I feel like with um, with a good quality low brass, I I don't really notice it when I'm shooting three, four, five rounds with those with those grand slam three inch turkey loads. Uh, it, it lets you know it's there real quick. Oh, that it does. I wonder why it's so much has packed so much of a punch other than like normal seven shot does. Well, I think because number one, the choke's an extra full choke, plus it being a three inch shell, it's it's got some power behind it. Right. So maybe you can explain this to me because I don't use chokes. My my 1100 doesn't have a, or maybe it does have a spot for chokes. I just don't use them. What is the the um, design behind the choke? What does that do? I, I understand that it from what my brief overview is that it kind of um, focuses the channels, the BBs in a, in a straight straighter a little bit longer range is that what i'm understanding or that's pretty much that's pretty much about it it from from my understanding you know certain choke tubes you know you got modified you got full you got your cylinder choke but each one like an extra full it just it keeps you know tightening down in that barrel for accuracy like you said but i think the more you do that also it's probably going to pack a little more of a punch it's true because it's keeping the gas from it completely expanding and, and it, it gives it what, because of what an average choke is what three inches long. Um, I don't know. I think there's different size ones. Two and a half. The choke tube. Yeah. Like I got some somewhere, but some of them are a little, I don't know why, but some of them are a little bit longer than the other ones. I don't know why necessarily, but I, can I wonder guess, if it's more of a constriction thing. I think you're running the right, stepping in the right direction there as a more of a constriction thing. I could see that playing a, a larger role in when you're doing waterfowl and such because you want to get that extra that distance out there when you're shooting that 70, 80 yards, maybe 100 yards with birdshot. I can see that playing a major role in that because my 1100 comes with a 2800 bird barrel for it. And so then if you add a choke on that's in between two and a half to three inches, well, now you're over to 30 inch uh, mark. And so I'm, I'm assuming that keep that pattern tighter. And then when it finally breaks up to get, have that nice pattern, it's going to be a little bit further out past the barrel of the gun to have, so hopefully catch the B, catch the bird coming through the BBs. Yeah. That sounds about right to me. That's good to hear, man. So when does your, when does your system, uh, when does your season kick off? Well, I'm going to be all over the place because, like I said, I want to chase my dreams. But um, I'm traveling to North Carolina uh, on opening weekend of North Carolina turkey season. I'll be there for that weekend with one of my close buddies, Josh Carter. Um, he's already, he, I mean, this guy is a North Carolina turkey reaper. I mean, he hurries up, he tags out, and then he goes out and helps other people kill turkeys. I'll be down there for the weekend trying to fill a tag or two. Then the following two weekends, I'm actually going to be in Kentucky turkey hunting on public land. And then after those two weekends, our season here starts in Indiana. 
and I'll probably be out 10, 10 plus days over the course of three weeks here in Indiana. Now, when it comes to buying a shotgun, do you have to buy a, a tag for out in those areas? Is it you buying it just for that one week or, or do you buy it for the entire season? I buy the whole season. The way I understand like uh, North Carolina works, because every state's different on their tax system and some I don't understand, but people don't understand when I tell them how Indiana works. But from my understanding, North Carolina, when I buy my actual hunting license in North Carolina, it's not just for turkey. Like I'll be able to turkey hunt and then I'll be able to go back in the fall and be able to deer hunt. Kentucky is about like the same thing. You have to buy different um, like permits. Like I'll buy my Kentucky hunting license. I'll buy my turkey permit. And then for a small, another small fee in the fall, I'll buy a deer permit and be able to deer hunt in Kentucky as well. So they're basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to maximize the, the one-time purchase when you're going to be there instead of trying to nickel and dime you. They give you a better rate when you buy adding this permit and adding this permit to it. Iowa does that too in, in some seasons and such. Uh, I know Wisconsin has a couple of features like that too as well, but I like that how they try to do it because then it gets the, the makes the buck travel a little bit further, but it just gets the guy out, the, out away from the TV a lot more. Yeah. Now see here in Indiana, you have to pretty much, you're not necessarily buying license, you're buying tags. So for every animal you harvest, you buy a single tag. And like here, you only get one male, uh, one bearded bird in the spring. So you have to buy your turkey license. And I think it's a federal game bird stamp. And then like deer season, you're not necessarily buying a hunting license. You, you have to just keep purchasing your individual tags. Oh, all right. Because way Wisconsin does it, when you buy your deer tags, you buy them, you buy everything right up front, and you you get whatever county is allotted for. So you get one buck tag statewide, and you and if you're whatever county you're in, you'll get X amount of doe tags based off of the the DNR numbers they run. Now with turkey tags for shotgun, you buy. Uh, you, you have to first apply for the lottery and then apply for one and you grant it for whatever week you choose. And then he, I think it's, I think it's this week where there now you can go online, you can buy over the counter tags for whatever's remaining and whatever season you're looking to shoot. Now with archery, I'm, I think it's the same, it follows the same boat. I'm not a hundred percent sure because this is my first time actually buying uh, archery for, um, for Wisconsin. Now, Minnesota, you buy one tag for an archery tag last the entire season. So you have the entire opportunity to go hunt. That's why I always did in Minnesota because I never know what weekend I was going to be able to get out or maybe I can jet away for a, a quick couple hours in the evening, but I never was able to connect on something. And then, uh, but if you go for shotgun hunting, you buy the week. I think it goes a, I think it's, I think it's seven weeks, maybe eight weeks. It all depends. I, I'm, I'm not looking at them right in front of me, so I couldn't be more specific. Obviously, everybody, go check out your local DNR site if you want, if you're curious about that. Um, but Iowa, though, I was all by getting you get to apply for it. It's not an easy process. I was looking for over-the-counter tags um, in some areas around here for Iowa, but I, I, there's no opportunity for leftovers. It's like they're all they get gobbled up real fast. And otherwise, if I was looking for a tag, I have to go south west of des moines to possibly get a turkey tag and that's 
that's like four or five hours away, one way over there. And it's like, I don't know anybody over there. I'm sure there's public land over there, but I want to, I'd rather be someone that's with, I'd rather hunt with a buddy just because it's just more memorable. Cause I'm not a freaking turkey caller. So I need to go with somebody that ha- can match my uh, skill sets. Like I'll drive if you can put a bird in front of me. <laughs> Especially right now, that's like, that's a, that's a deal right there with these gas prices. Uh, I'm a couple of in, uh, I haven't got me a public land bird yet. I really, that's what I'm, my main focus is going to be in Kentucky is uh, to get me a public land bird. I'll be going, when I go to North Carolina, I think my buddy Josh down there pretty much has everything figured out. So I'll just be able to kind of make a couple mistakes, get it out of my system, let him do all the calling, and hopefully I'll be prepared when I get to Kentucky. That's going to be exciting, man. You also have some other good news. You you proposed. You got a fiance yes, now. I did. Yeah, yeah that, that was actually last uh, turkey season. She went out turkey hunting with me for the first time, and uh, on this piece of private property, me and her actually have a a really special one single tree, and we were hunting right beside that tree, and she had no clue, and I got it all on film. I dropped down to one knee, and I proposed to her out in the wilderness. Oh, that's exciting news. Congratulations, sir. You know, now, did we able, were you guys able to connect on a, on a turkey last season? No. No, we, uh, she didn't go that much. We heard some gobble and I was, once again, I was chasing a public land bird and I was focused on this same single bird and I spent 13 days on this single bird and I could not kill him. Everybody else couldn't kill him. Everybody wanted to kill him. And that made me want to kill that bird that much more. So I spent 15, between 13 and 15 days, I think it was 13 days of the Indiana turkey season going after the same public land bird. I had him within 50 yards, probably five times. And every single time I was either doing something wrong or of course he wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. So never actually got the shot. That's what actually contributed to me getting that new shotgun i wanted to be able to shoot 40 50 60 yards if i needed to i got you were you able to take it out to the range then here recently to kind of get those mark markers okay oh yeah i took uh i took it out on my private land and shot a little bit and 50 60 yards i'm still putting 10 to 12 bbs in the head so that's good that's fantastic now do you use a red dot or do you use a scope how how do you approach or do you just do iron sight iron sights most of the time i've actually been thinking about putting a scope on my deer my remington 1100 but for the most part i love iron sights if i'm going to use a shotgun there's just something nostalgic about just using a shotgun and iron sights and finding a way to be successful completely understand that i i i would i could see i've seen a lot of people put scopes on their shotguns and such i got myself a uh a sight mark bore sighter and, it, and it's like i've got a, i have an ar that i finally got a chance to stretch your legs here a few weeks or a few months ago and i put it down the air in the barrels dialed in my scope and just threw them right down range first shot sighted right in so no ifs, ands, or buts. So it's like it was it was well worth the money to buy to save that kind of ammunition to save money. Granted, it's just a two, two, three, but it's still expensive. Oh, any ammo nowadays is expensive. I mean, it's all over the place. That is the rough part about it too, because it's like I, this past fall, it's like I, I've been last two years, I've been struggling finding uh, slug ammunition because of uh, some of them. Like they're trying to get a, they're trying to keep people from using lead ammunition for hunting and stuff because the birds and whatever else and whatnot and such. But uh, when you start, when you start 
going away from that, like there, there's no, there's no ammunition to replace it with. And my always thoughts are, is that when, when the anti-hunting start getting in, they start chipping away. They say, you can't use lead. You can't use this. You can't do that. All they're doing is chipping away from our rights and we're just negotiating them away. Similar to what's going on out West with um, trail cameras, like Arizona, Utah, Colorado, they're trying to stop people from using their trail cameras and say like, if they don't stop that they're just going to keep taking their rights away and that's that's how they're going to be doing that to us now it's it's frustrating but then again we've had to we had this conversation last time we spoke about it, like how hunters can be our own worst enemies yeah it's man this world is crazy the the more i feel like the more restrictions we put on hunters is like the more hunters we're going to lose you know there's like you know how it is man on social media there's so there's so many how can i explain it you know you got those guys who are like i'm only wearing that sitka gear or I'm, i'd never wear real tree or mossy oak or you know when people say crossbow hunting isn't real you know there's always there's always going to be these battles and realistically as long as we are obeying the laws there is nothing wrong with hunting I mean, if, if a kid wants to go out with his crossbow and shoot a little spike buck, we should all be proud of him. We shouldn't bash him for any reason. It's just, it's getting crazy. I never would have thought growing up in, in a hunting family that I'd hear half the stuff that I hear on social media nowadays. It's, it's sad, man. I completely agree with that, man. Cause when I was growing up listening to my dad and his parents hunt back in the nine or in his friends, hunt back in the 90s you never heard about any of this stuff but then you can go get me wrong we didn't have we don't have the technology we do as we did then and but you you never heard anybody knock each other it was always a camaraderie about the whole process and the fact they were like they were they were always trying to get more people to come out hunting with them because they want to take advantage of that um party hunting there in iowa where they were, where they were hunting back in the 90s so and like and even at that point in time that was the cusp of the good old ages when everybody had a potential of tagging out i think i think it was two to the 2000 no it was 97 everybody that went out hunting with them was able to punch their tag which is which was unheard of at that point in time too but it was one of those things where they're hunting in iowa now where they're hunting at it was all mostly plains and, and uh, they where the woods are so they're, they're all private owned so you had to get permission to get on it but then also they didn't have to deal with the the insurance company like we have to do today so it's like, it's amazing how much 30 years have changed where you can just get permission to walk out. Nowadays, it's like the farmer has to worry about, it's like, they're not worried about you suing them. It's worrying about the insurance suing them. Cause let's say you and I, I get hurt on their private land. Well, now it's like, well, I got hurt. Well, they're going to want their money somehow. So it's like, oh, you got hurt on this person, on this person's property, not knowing that they're going to go after them and sue them and, and get their money out of them to recoup the losses from you. So it's just a weird racket and how everything is uh, structured to go after each other. Yeah, it's sad, man. We've got to, you know, I feel like our fathers and their fathers have worked so hard to get, you know, the people that they got involved into hunting. We can't let this slip. And that's, you know, I, I, I honestly see there's a direction there where we're losing, you know, we're hunting, hunter numbers are declining. You know, I'd love to see them start getting back up there but I, I honestly feel like it's all the negativity that's doing that. You know, we need to get kids back into hunting and fishing and, and treat them the morals of hunting and fishing and not let kids 
starting off hunting and fishing with such high expectations. Just take them out there, let them have fun, let them learn. That is a good approach to it because I've seen kids like shoot 170, 180, 200 class bucks really young. And it's like now they've set themselves so high that they're going to be disappointed for years because it's like they're not, they're, they're, I don't think they're going to get the expectation they're always going to shoot a big buck, but it's like they're not going to have that something to strive for because like I have, I've been hunting for almost 20 years and I still haven't shot. That's, that's the only buck I shot right there. It's the only guy. And so, you know, I don't, I want to, I want to, Want to, I like that drive to continue to strive for something else, but now it's like spending time out there to pay attention to being in the now. Like I will, I had a situation earlier this year where I arrowed a doe and she killed over, but she had her, her sister with them. I'm assuming she used twins. Cause usually when you see them partnered up, they're usually their, their probably came from that same litter. And it was just interesting to watch this deer go through the emotions of life, death, and then, and then, uh, accepting what's what she cannot change and it took about 40 minutes and that deer just stood there just kind of looking around not knowing what happened but then go over to the other doe and kind of look at it and like what's going on here and then as as the time progressed I and mean, this is a whole 45 minutes and i could have put another put another arrow through her but it's like in the back of my mind i have a lot of work to do with just that one now double it so i just like well i'm gonna let her pass and if she, and if she has a chance to get bread or if she's already been bred awesome they passed the genetics on to her but it was just interesting that how their they the their 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 time of grief is very brief it's like it's see it happen and then they gotta move on but then again they're in a realm where they're actively hunted but it's just it, it's wholesome to see that because normally well way i look at it is that as i've gotten older i appreciate those finer moments i can appreciate that life that will have that that deer was just a matter of moments walking around now it's in my belly and here we are it is it is just remarkable to see that my own personal growth and and uh, spirituality with the whole aspect because now it's like i'm even more connected with that animal and now i want to present this animal this, this gift of god that was given to me i want to give this i want to present this to my friends and family so this way then they can enjoy the spoils of my work and uh, I've been, I, I don't know if you see my, my Instagram feed, but I got a smoker. Yeah, I've seen that. How's that for you? I've seen that big chunk of meat you made, man. It looked delicious. Oh, dude, it was delicious. So the way I did it is I went on Pinterest and found an awesome brine to make it. And what I, and I just followed it down to a T. Now, the first time I made it, I, I messed up because I didn't dissolve all the salt. And so what ended up happening is that I burnt the brown sugar and, it, and it, you could smell it come out. So when you do that, you got to pretty much dump it. So when I, when I made it a second time, I start with the kosher salt first, stirred all that first, get that all, get that all um, blended and dissolved and such. Then I threw in the brown sugar and that's what's that in my second with that second batch and putting in the Worcestershire sauce, the soy sauce, and then also throwing in cloves of garlic and also putting in, um, I used the Montreal seasoning for that too, which was actually quite a, kind of nice, a nice little balance to it with a little bit of a flavor of the paprika and um, the peppercorns with the whole process. Then I let that brine for, I think it was 12 hours, 12 hours. I should, I should that, that one deserved a full 24 hours on that piece of meat. But when I put it in the smoker, I smoked it for, solid six hours and the bark on it came out delicious the flavor was very full fruitful uh then now my second run 
that I did on Sunday. I sat down, or yesterday, actually, I should say, with uh, Ryan Nordahl. He's uh, from Epic Whitetail Habitat, and he's, he's been on the podcast a few times. So he came down. We shit, we broke bread and had some bourbon, and, and uh, I gave him some comparison contrast and stuff like that between the two of them because what it did differently with the, the meat I smoked yesterday is that at the halfway point at like an hour and a half, because I was only going to smoke, they were not very big. So getting to 140 degrees was not going to take very long. So I wrapped them, completed them to, well, one, one hit 160, one hit 140, just because it was such a small piece of meat. And I gave him, I cut them up, gave him what I cooked up on Friday, gave him what I cooked up yesterday. And he just, he said it just, it, overall, the, it had a better float flavor profile with what I smoked on Friday, leaving it open, letting it smoke for the full six hours and such. And it was great. And the, the pit boss that I got, just a simple, basic analog one, nothing, no fancy, no Bluetooth, nothing, nothing like that. So there's less parts to go wrong, less things to break. And I found out with it is that it, it's a, it sips on the, the, the wood. It doesn't fry it up rather quickly. And I find that it's, it's, it's happy medium is 150, 175 degrees. I stick at the very top of the, the, of the, of the stack. So this way, then it just, all that smoke's rising up and then it just goes out from there. And I really enjoy it, man. I'm looking, everybody so far has really liked it. My wife has, has been enjoying the, the win. Now, after you got your smoker, did you tell yourself after you cooked on it, I don't ever want to cook meat any other way again? Uh, well, she, my wife told me I had to, I had to, I had to pick and choose my battles and how I cook. So it's because it's like, she, she has a threshold where she only eats certain, certain techniques a certain way so many so much otherwise she gets burnt out and it takes a while to get that back in the cycle again so it's just easier just to stick with it on the weekends than trying to do it every week every day because oh i was i was we had chicken tonight i was all rip roaring to go and putting in it at putting it in at noon and turning it up too and it's let it smoke all day long until about 5 36 and eat up before before we sat down in the conversation here heck yeah man that's good so do you have a smoker yet or not? No, no, I do. Honestly, I'm way out of date. <clears throat> we just got a uh, air fryer and I've been, I've been hooked on trying different things in the air fryer. Ooh, I just, air fryer is uh, legit, man. It is so good. I just did a, uh, I had one wild turkey breast left. I just did one of those with, I basically warmed up some honey, coated the whole breast in honey. And then I poured uh, a bunch of that Kansas City, barbecue rub all over that breast, cooked it about three quarters of the way. And then I pulled it out, coated it with barbecue sauce, let it finish cooking. Oh man, that was by far the best wild turkey I've ever had in my life. Oh my word. Um, I had a, my friend Christopher Dietz here back last uh, May and he actually used his uh, uh, air fryer to make duck jerky. I don't know if, I don't know if yours has a setting, but mine does. My my mother-in-law got us an air fryer too last year for Christmas, and it actually has a setting for air fryer or for for jerky on it. But he his didn't. He just kind of looked online and looked at Pinterest and figured. And he said it absolutely delicious. As long as you brine it right the way you wanted to initially, and then you coat it with any type of uh, like whether you use honey, molasses, whatever flavor you're looking for in the meat as it as it uh, uh, dehydrates, then you'll be you'll be golden if you follow it down to a tea. Yeah, I'm going to have to try that 
Yeah, it is quite. To, it, I haven't haven't had duck in it yet, but we had uh, turkey chicken tonight, and uh, the air fryer boy did it turn out just absolutely delicious and juicy and such. And it's like I almost want to next time when I'm cooking, I want to poke holes in so this way, then all that all the fat drips drips out of it because it's like I'm, I'm not a, I'm not going to drink the juice, but you know it's like I've already got the the design of the flavor on it. And my wife went ahead and she made some she. Just, put it together and this jalapeno spice and put it all around it. Oh man. It, it had a nice balance of, of fire and flavor. Oh yeah. That sounds good. So what do you got? To, so when's the wedding date? We're not rushing it, man. We've uh, pretty much ever since, ever since, you know, I proposed, it's just, it's just been tough, man. Emotionally life's been tough. You know, a couple, you know, I lost, you know, my mom I actually lost one of my best friends too. And we just haven't really been focusing on an exact date. We know we want to do it within the next two years, but um, we haven't really set a date. We're kind of, kind of focused on other things right now, work and, you know, getting ready to do some traveling for some hunting. We're moving again in July. And I think once we move again in July, we'll start sitting down again, coming back to that and thinking about a real wedding date. That's and fantastic. It won't be during turkey season and it won't be during deer season. Thank you. I did that. I purposely did that. My, my I did my wedding on uh, September 1st because there's no excuse. Plus, also fell on Labor Day weekend. So I think it's it overall was a benefit for any of those who else wanted needed to necessarily travel and such. So it worked out. So yeah, you, as soon as you let me know, I will gladly drive on out to Indiana and hang out with you and have some fun. Heck yeah, man. Because last time I went out, uh, we my friends in Arizona they had a wedding out there, and we turned it into a hunting trip, hunting trip too. Because she has coyotes to that, so we sat out in the morning, sat out in the evening, trying to go after some coyotes. And I had my call and stuff like that. But there was so much human scent where we were hunting at because it, the, the way her property is set up and the way they where they travel to the corridor to get to her livestock, it it was they weren't coming in. They they just they it was not going to happen. But it was still fun though. We her and I just sat out there and bullshitted and talked and such and kind of just paid attention to all the pitter patter and stuff and also listening to the animals as well because there there are they were our first indicator of the um, predators coming through because th she does a rehab farm out there in Arizona where they deal with uh pigs horses donkeys anything like that to either make their, their end of life comfortable or get them healed up to this way then they could become may not be a working animal but at least be a pet for somebody for a period of time if, if it's a a larger mammal like a donkey or a horse cows and or the the pigs and the ducks are and it all depends on who they're, who they're who's coming to pick them up to see what's going to happen afterwards right so you got any plans to go do any turkey hunting or anything man I do. I, I'm my buddy of mine up in uh, Green Bay. We're going to get up there into, and he's going to, I'm going to go up there for a week and we're going to come down here for a weekend because I know I got birds where I hunt um, in the fall. I know I got birds there. And then he wants, then I, I'm going to go up to hang out with him in Green Bay and go up there. Is, uh, is, uh, is Craig James. He's been on the podcast a couple of times, but uh, he was just telling me like yesterday when he logged into his Instagram, it was hacked. So he lost all of his work, all of his videos, everything's been doing for the last couple of years, all gone. So now he's got it back up again. And people that follow him are, are, are attracting back to his page again. It's just frustrating because as, as a, as a content creator or just somebody that like 
they, they really like sharing their experience to have somebody come through and steal that from them. It's just so it's just heartbreaking because now all of his videos and such that he's all of his progression that you see him as an evolving as a human being, as a hunter, as a husband, as a father, all that stuff is all gone. And, and most people, once they post on social media, let's delete the file and good luck work. And if, if uh, whoever hacked it erases everything, and then Facebook or Insta, well, actually Metaverse, when they decide to come in there and try to do something with it, they, it's tough to say what they're going to do, if they're going to help you or or just kind of give you the shaft on it. So it's always weird to have that happen because there's a few people I've known that have built something and then come through and log in and all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine that, man. That is crazy. Losing everything, you know, basically all your hard work that is right there on social media. People think, you know, it, it, it ain't easy out there putting yourself out there on social media. And oh, I can't imagine losing all that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. It's very, because it's social media is very vulnerable and very raw. And people get, a, get to see a different perspective of you. Uh, and it is just, it's just frustrating to see all that stuff gone. But uh, what's initially started off our season was that back in February, him and I were chatting about going out to Nebraska and chasing some Miriams. And we kind of worked it all out. I talked to some of my other friends that have hunted that area, gave us some recommendations and such, but based off of his current work schedule and his, and his other curriculars, it just wasn't work out. So 2023, we're going out there and going to get after some Miriams because Wisconsin only has Easterns. So um, I'll be, I'll be excited just to put one on the wall. Yeah, that's something I'd love to do, man. I'd love to eventually over the next couple of years. I mean, I've pretty much got this year planned out, but over the next couple of years, I'd like to really start attempting to do the um, the Grand Slam, killing the four subspecies of turkeys. I got the Eastern down, get me a couple more Easterns this year and start branching out over the next couple of years, trying to get some different types of birds, see how they act differently. I know some are quieter than others, smaller than others. and I think that'd be fun. I don't, you know, I couldn't imagine being, you know, 40, 50 years old saying, yeah, I did the uh, Grand Slam with Turkey, you know. That is pretty cool. I'm, I'm talking to a guy right now out of Canada. It's, I'm not sure when he's going to be on the podcast. I'm waiting for him to respond back to me. But he is, he's been able to go out and actually hunt a polar bear, be able to go after walrus and a few other different species out there. So it's going to be interesting to listen to him to speak, but also get his perspective on a, on Castro's bastard there and how, how everything's working up going on there in Canada, because it's been kind of a downturn for them. And it's unique to see the, 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 the people start to rise up and fight back against their tyranny. And here it's like, we're just seeing the narrative switch right now. And people are still d- distracted about everything. What's going on with that. And then we're also paying like, and you and I, we, we talk weekly about what we got. If we find something interesting on tick on um, a cryptocurrency and like what we're putting our money towards and, and like, Stuff we're we're paying attention. What what while well, everybody's over here with uh, Ukraine, where we're paying attention, the CBDC, the, the World Economic Forum, and what they're actually making move towards. And I found a clip that that I, I haven't watched this podcast with Joe Rogan on it, but they're all talking about the central bank digital currency. And one of the things they were saying is that they can program said currency for you to only take care of the necessities, like where you can only get food, only get gas, or they can completely shut your life down. And that is what a lot of us that are awake fear. And that's something that as a whole, we have to either stop it or we allow it to take us course. And then we react instead of being proactive. 
it's just so frustrating that we, we we're finally in a position in society where we can live freely and, and have uh, be able to cross borders. Like, but we don't, we can't. It's like, it almost seems like if it was a hundred and 200 years ago, you, we had the opportunity to travel across the world, but now you have to have a passport. You have to do this, you have to do that. And then you never know if you're coming into hostile territory. Cause you know, how cool it'd be to go check out Lebanon or go over to um, Slovakia or some unique country, but not have to worry about sanctions or, war or some type of a bs you know because we have so much to, this world has so much to offer but yet we're all we purposely we're all segregated yeah this world's going crazy man i, I don't i don't know if some kids didn't get some butt whooping growing up or what it was man but this world it's something else i i try not to really even i try not to even really focus on watching the news or what people say is going on in the world. I just, I mean, every week it's something different. There's a pandemic, there's a war, you know, the government's running out of money, yada, yada. I just, oh man. Yeah. I try to just, whenever I think about this stuff, it just makes me want to go out in the woods. <laughs> that's, that's why I think we, our seasons are timed out so well. Uh, oh Yeah. And then on top of through here, I don't know about over there in Indiana, but a lot of our waters opened up. So I'm looking forward to get out there doing some fishing, man. I want to get I've been out. out twice for some crappie, but I have had no luck. <laughs> do you, you fish in a river or or a stream or a lake? I went to uh, two different lakes, Raccoon Lake and Libra Lake, and we were just fishing with bobbers and minnows. I mean, we didn't have no luck, but it was still good to be out on the water and not think about the real world and society. It's man, these last few weeks have been just absolutely gorgeous, and it's frustrating though because I don't know how it's going to affect Indiana. But we, with I'm already seeing the same thing that happened last year in the Midwest, where we didn't get enough snowfall, snowfall, we didn't have enough watershed, and the, the rain went to the wrong places. It didn't kind of distribute, distribute where the rivers and lake streams up north are going to be able to refill the ones down south because a lot of the stuff that happens up in Canada, northern Minnesota, and North Dakota that all has a side effect of affecting Mississippi, Cedar River, Missouri, all those areas. And I feel that we're going to probably see another limited amount of rainfall too, as well. So I think we're going to, we're not going to see the deep rivers, not excuse me, the lakes that we need to see to have a good spawn. Our lakes. Um, when I went out to Libra a couple of weeks ago, I think that thing was up like 28 feet. Oh really? So you guys got an ample amount. So you may not oh, have the yeah, same. A lot. You may guys may have a, a a a nice growing year for all your bodies of water. See, I don't think we're gonna have that here in Minnesota or Iowa. Uh, maybe Illinois, because Illinois has been quite uh, getting hammered quite frequently, especially for the last couple storms that came through last week. And and we're supposed to get rain tomorrow and Wednesday too here in uh, Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa. Yeah, we got rain coming the next couple of days, and then. I don't know about up there, but Indiana, the weather changes every five minutes. So I don't know what to predict today. It was like 73 degrees here and sunny. And now the next couple of days, it's going to be like 45 and rainy. So we, we always go through that first fall, fall sense of summer or spring, and then it goes right back on cold. So it's like, we're used to it. And we, we, we've had um, those freak uh, May winter, May uh, winter storms and stuff. So it's like, I really don't count out winter until it's past um, uh, Mother's Day because we never know where to get dumped on. Because that uh, that here back in 2013, we saw some areas saw 12 to 24 inches of snow. So it was quite uh, it was quite something. Yeah, 
we uh we actually had a bad winter here for the first time in a long time. I mean, it wasn't real cold, but we definitely got a little bit of snow this year. I think I had to take like three days off of work where like work closed down for like three, three or four days this year, I think. Oh, wow. So you guys did get a bit, I bet it's the blowing snow that kind of put the nail in the coffin. Yeah. And it, it was an accumulation of ice. We'd get like a quarter inch of ice and then three, four or five inches of snow, then another half inch of ice and then three or four more inches of snow within like a 24 hour period. Oh, that's just disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it was but, bad. I didn't mind it. I just stayed home. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So um, did you see to today that in Indiana there, the Governor Holcomb passed constitutional carry? You guys in the 24th state? Yes. Yep. I we, did not see that today. I thought he was vetoing it. I thought I read somewhere that uh, he was vetoing it. No, oddly enough. I Well, I, I tend to uh, follow – we the people holsters there and I am looking at their post right now on Instagram and yeah, uh, governor, governor Holcomb signs constitutional carry into law. Well, good deal. Yeah. So congratulations, you guys, let's talk about a heck of a day to have a podcast on. It's wonderful news to hear about. Good way to start the Monday. Yeah. It's time to celebrate now. I, I, I actually just finished up getting my, uh, <laughs> getting my gun permit. So I would have been fine either way, but it's good now. And uh, I like the fact that like when I travel to Kentucky and North Carolina, I believe both those states are constitutional carry as well. So all good things, man. I, I, I don't even think it should be a question as to whether somebody should be able to carry a weapon on them. I mean, I mean, I'm sure there's reasons why, but you know, there's a lot of people out here that ain't out here just to harm people. They're out there to protect people. Oh yeah, it's just it's just the way the narrative the because if you look at a at a grand scheme of things, United States is the only last free country because we still have our Second Amendment. If you look globally, nobody has a Second Amendment except for Switzerland. They could they purposely make sure everybody has a gun there because of what's happened in the past towards Poland, one of those one of those countries over there that they actually like encourage everybody to carry a firearm with them. And uh, yeah, it's like we are the last ones and we are the last free nation for it. So it's all it's something. It's not about the gun control. It's about the control and everything that we have on there we've we've negotiated our rights away with the with the uh, the deep state or the um or the agenda however you want to see fit for it and a lot of, the worst part is like i may be a tinfoil hat outdoorsman but when it comes down to it it's like these there's there there there's enough consistent enough evidence to show that they are that's the overall goal and the nice thing is with the ukraine such like that it's like hey thank goodness we have our second amendment right maybe we're a totally different country if we did Oh, it would be. We we we'd be in the same boat as um, Australia, or if not worse, than similar to like uh, uh, what would be Canada too, because those those two went. They went full nineteen eighty four. They like they they followed George Orwell's book to a T. But I think that book was written because he worked his way up into MI MI six to find out like that's the overall goal was to create a one world government similar to what. Uh, George Bush senior did back in 1991 when he read off the uh, new world order speech. And now it's been constantly being bombarded from the world economic forum and such. So it's, it's so frustrating because like we had to pay attention to what they're doing because it's affecting the grand, grand scheme of everything. It even goes back to uh, the 1991 agenda 21 that they hosted down there in Brazil. And a lot of, a lot of the policies like what Bill Gates coming and buying up, 270,000 acres of land it's all part of that but the biggest thing is a lot of the land he bought up covers um natural springs and if you're not aware of this 
water is now being traded in the, in the futures commodities market, which is not something that should be there because water should is a basic right. It should not be capitalized on. No, they want to control everything. Oh, it's so frustrating. It absolutely is. I see, I see the world now, and I know we all see pictures of grocery stores with the shelves empty and people saying they can't find this or that and they're paying an arm and a leg for it. That's just crazy, man. Gas prices soaring. It's it's all crazy. And you can't tell me there ain't some there ain't some plan or some scheme behind all of it. Oh, 100%. There's no reason. We've got we've got people making billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars and people can't go to the store and get milk or eggs or meat or it, it, it makes sense to me. That's why everybody should be a hunter or a fisherman if they could. And if you don't eat meat or you don't eat fish, you can catch fish, catch some meat, kill some meat, trade it, murder for other things. Yeah, that's the way to be. And that's where it gets down to the cryptocurrency, man. I really see that cryptocurrency being an opportunity for the DeFi for us as hunters to be able to continue doing transactions without having to deal with any consequences. Because there's people that I follow on Instagram that would make posts like, hey, you just got shut down by by PayPal. So you don't send me through, so you can't make a payment through that or Venmo or or what we've seen with GoFundMe and such like that, They where they're funding uh, the family of George Floyd instead of his victims and such, you know, or they're shutting down the the caravans and such. And it's just it's just a dark world. But we we've been going through these these eighty year loops of this attempt of massive control. It's just one more step to that direction. And you know we got to. That's why us as a, as a hunting group, we are pretty much the military background a backbone of this because there's a lot of military men that don't hunt but they do respect the aspect of it but we need we need everybody's um to be on board to help maintain that uh to avoid this drive to shut everything all down that's what we don't want to have and and we as a hunting group need to make sure we come together and don't bash bird hunters or trappers or anything like that because once we lose trapping because i've seen lots of different protocols being established where, where hunters can't do certain things or trappers can't do certain things because certain group of trappers complaining about them, but they all serve a purpose in the grand scheme of things. From a conservation standpoint, we all do serve a very big purpose and you're going to see more things. You're going to see more things in the near future. Not, not a lot of people want to go out and trap. Let's just be honest. It, it is a lot of hard work. Uh, in most cases, you know, I've only been trapping for two years. I, I actually enjoy the physicality of it. But the less trappers we have, the more nest predators we have, the more overall predators we have. We're already seeing it now where turkey numbers are declining all over the United States. If you ask me, a big part of that has to do with predation, nest predators, bobcats, coyotes, you know, certain places, mountain lions. We all need each other, you know, and once again, the most simplest things you could do is obey your state rules, laws, and regulations, but just get out there, man. We, we get one go around on this world, one go around. I want to be the type of person who's out there preaching the good things, getting these kids into the right way of hunting, getting them involved. What happens after us? 
what happens after us? Does do hunter numbers keep declining? And then before you know it, there are just barely any hunters left in the world. I don't want that. I I, I want to see I want to see hunters being something to be proud of. And I, I know we're all very proud to be hunters. And you know, it's it's not easy to have these kind of skills and you know, take off your suit and tie after a long week of work and then go get dirty and smelly for two or three days out on some public land or, you know, however you want to do it. But we all do need each other and we just need to realize that, man, and quit quit with all the bashing and the social media dumb stuff. We just need to be there, even if it's just to talk to somebody or give somebody advice, you know, 10, 15 minutes conversation can go a long way for somebody. That's exactly right. And we need to focus on the college age kids, the 25 year old mark. That is where we need to get them back into it again and doing the hunting clubs or just doing fishing clubs, like not necessarily clubs, but a group of friends where they meet up once a week or once a year or whatever, and get out there and do some fishing, you go out there and do some hunting and such just to get the, get that, that fire going and hopefully to, to bring in more people. Cause that's what my dad's friends are doing. They're starting to go after the younger kids, their, their, their siblings, their sons and daughters to get them to come out fishing with them. So this way then, then they can, they, they can pass down this tradition that they've established so this way then then their kids can meet new people but also network and such but also have that camaraderie because this way then it is everybody something to look forward to my dad's uh they're they're both their trips this year to go out to okaboji in may and in october are booked up they're already full and so it's like well I, and i i already got full i had to get to i had to put my bid in for 2023 so i can get a chance to go out fishing with these guys because as we all know, life is very precious and I don't, I don't know how many more days I'm going to have with my old man. So it's, I need to take advantage of as much as I possibly can. And I moved into a bigger place this way. It's so he can, he can be able to come and hang out with us. Not only us going down and hang out with him. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Life is short, man. I mean, if I can, if I would say anything to anybody, man, it's chase your dreams, do what you want to do and don't ever let nobody tell you, you can't do nothing. No dream is too small or too big. I shoot for the stars. I mean, if you got an opportunity to go somewhere and do something, just go and do it. I mean, if you can find the money, if you can find the time and make it happen, go do it, go try something new, whether it's, you know, hunting out of state for the first time, or even if somebody wanted to go on a guided hunt for the first time, you know, if you want to do that, go do it, chase your dream and do that. Exactly. And the sometimes the most awkward or uncomfortable choice you need to make will be the best choice you ever you'll ever make for yourself and that's something i literally just heard before i before i hit the record button i think that resonates with a lot of us and for those who out there that are thinking like you have to start at a certain age to get to where you want to be what i get at what we're getting at here is you need to start today you could be 40 years old you can be 60 year old you can be 70 years old if you see that you can foresee making that happen and you make the right sacrifices to make sure that can happen then do it because like you like we've mentioned several times we're only on this earth one time around and that's it and we got to make the most of it yeah and you know you can't just go into any situation and expecting giant things to happen immediately you know things are going to take time but don't ever give up on your dreams or your goals set goals once you finally reach those certain goals, set new goals, and then keep chasing those and just keep going, man. Just don't ever stop.
Oh yeah. And the goal could be simply just getting out of bed and making your bed or brushing your teeth or flushing your teeth three times a day or two times a day or whatever. These simple goals are accumulate to wins because I was talking to my friend Ryan yesterday and we're talking about uh, personal development and as in our youth, we had issues with reading. So the best way we uh, overcame that difficulty was to continue to read and read harder books and to advance our knowledge. Then also becoming socially awkward or talking to girls like that, that, have, that struggles with everybody where people get awkward around the opposite sex. So you just got to put yourself in more scenarios just to chit chat with people. And to overcome those social anxieties, because I find that with the, with the, today's generation, and even watching what's going on with with um, teachers on YouTube and listen to them talk, and how kids are um, have more, um, they're more of them are now on the spectrum than they ever have been, and so now it's like you, as as an individual, you want to get them to experience as much as possible. And it comes down to their parents too, but it's so expensive to raise children, and 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 in today's world, but you gotta, you gotta pick your about your about your, uh, your battles. Essentially, I think what we got to do for those that are, that you may not have, you may not have money, but you have time, like get rid of televisions, get rid of video games, do something. So this way, then you're, you're engaged with your kids because these moments when, as you get to my age in my mid thirties, to people in their forties and fifties, thinking back about those times on a weekend or a weeknight, and you get your parents' full undivided attention, it's probably going to be more worthwhile than buying your first bike. Absolutely. You can, you, can put a, you can literally put a price on a pair of shoes or a video game or a, t a television. You cannot put a price on moments spent bonding between a kid and its parent. I mean, you just can't. It's yeah. irreplaceable. You got that right, man. And I try to take as much time and balance uh, as I can with my daughter when I, when I, when we have that, those times of being able to do it. And so like, uh, she's now into Girl Scouts and I'm giving her all the opportunity to succeed. Her mom messaged me last night asking if she could, uh, if she could continue moving on us. And I told her, it's like, she's motivated. We might as well keep encouraging that, that drive because I don't want her to get stopped by like where she has other obligations. Like if you're moving forward, this is the sacrifice you have to make. You have choice. You either come out and hang out with me or you continue working your goal. And this is something at, at nine years old that she doesn't understand the concept of, but I wanted, I wanted to give her that option. So this way then she can be able to not have to worry about being told no when she needs to, when she wants to do something. And that's something that it's, it's very difficult because you don't want to, you don't want to hear your, your, parents come out but you also want to give them you want to give your kids the, the experience and the knowledge you know now so this way they can better out because i'm i thought it's like i thought I, at this point in time raising a child i figured i'd be in a different mental state than my father was but it's like i'm in the same boat where he is like i didn't know what i was doing when you were nine or ten years old i was just kind of going with the flow i was all actor react type scenario so it's like well it looks like I'm, I'm she's doing all right she hasn't broken any bones so that's a win yeah, that's good, man. That's good. Yeah, so have you guys, uh, has that conversation occurred with the kids between you and the miss? Yeah, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're to that point where, we're, you know, we're trying. We're just now kind of trying, and we'll see how it goes. Congratulations, man. Just I'd love to give the world, a, you know, a little solo hardcore hunter. There you go. That'd be awesome. 
that that's that would be fantastic because uh when i was talking to my buddy ryan last night he took his son out this year and it was during uh the youth season and they used a two to three rifle and his son they practice all the way up until the october day and watching his because he has two older stepsons and he's helped them capitalize on multiple birds multiple deer but i, I guess that 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 mind that 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 appreciation changes when it's your own flesh and blood excuse me own flesh and blood actually being able to be pull that trigger it's like it's i get where he's coming from i understand where he's coming from with that whole aspect but it's it's really cool to have him experience that big win and his son was just calm as a cool uh, as as a cucumber and he pulled that trigger it dropped Within 30 yards, it was just a fantastic feeling. It was a little, little nubbin buck, and they were about ready to pack up and leave. And all of a sudden, you see something walk up. And so they sat back down real fast, set up the, the rifle and the scope, and he just sat there and he waited and he waited for the right time to pull that trigger. 30 yards out, shot it, and then it didn't go much further than that. So it was a very rewarding experience. And I'm hoping you're able to achieve that, whether it be fishing, whether it be hunting, because my daughter's not much to hunting, but she likes to fish. So I will take it. And maybe when she gets older, she will like to hunt. And uh, and my wife and I, as you can tell, I got my bow up here. I got another bow back over here. I got another bow back over here. So, but uh, my wife's the other one. I just bought a new one. I got a new expedition here a couple of weeks ago there at the Iowa Deer Turkey or Iowa Deer Classic. Now was that was a, a it's a nice bow. It's definitely a very shootable bow with 34 axle axle. Great IBO speed. I haven't. Uh, chronoed it yet with my uh, with my arrows yet so i'm i'm be interested to see if it floats around that that 260 to 270 mark yeah that's awesome i actually uh <clears throat> i took the queen out deer hunting this year and uh i had had some trail cam photos of some doe come some does coming in every single night and i told her i said no we've got you the clothes now we've let you shoot the crossbow a couple times if you want to go i'll take you so the very first evening set she ever sat on, we're sitting in a blind. And of course, you know, she's playing on her phone. And I told her, I said, get ready. I said, there's a big doe coming. And she actually shot her first doe ever on her first hunt. I mean, oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Well, I mean, that that's a big accomplishment to be able to do that, man. Congratulations, dude. Not only yeah, for her and awesome. you, but for her as well. Yeah, she did awesome, man. I'm I'm I, I, I want to say I was shocked, but I wasn't. I mean, I was I was freaking out. She was calm. I I was I was the one that was freaking out. You know, <laughs> I mean, she did a she she did a hell of a job, man. I mean, I I, I could have been more proud of her. That's and awesome. I think definitely, she'll definitely get out with me here in Indiana. We'll try and get her her first uh, turkey, and I'm pretty sure she'll be back in the blind come deer season. That's awesome. Now, does she prefer being on the, in a blind or does she, does she not mind being up in a tree? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it, the blind is the best option. I, I don't want to, I don't want to rush her into being in an uncomfortable situation. And I think it's somewhat, well, for me as well, I would feel uncomfortable just leaving her alone in a tree stand or so, you know, we're going to take it slow. And over the next couple of years, this year, she's actually going to start uh, shooting compound bow with me so baby steps we'll get her there that's awesome man that's fantastic especially the 3d archery seasons just to ride around the store right around the way so you can get out there and get her used to that uh i know the 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 uh 
easy V shooting right there. Uh, that's a popular one with females. I uh, know. Does she have good eyesight? So, so she's better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason why, reason why I recommend the easy V is just because of the, the way the V looks and something for, it's just easier on the eyes for, for some folks. Uh, I just, from my, on my HJ side, I just put a magnifier, a 4X magnification on it. And dude, just the night and day difference of the, the clarity of it. Cause my eyes have gotten old from staring at screens. I've been, I've been working in front of computers now for like the last five, six years on a, on a daily basis before I was always working either sales or construction or factory work. So it's like, I always had a different, um, always had ways to had where my eyes have to adjust, but boy, it's like, as I get older, your eyes are not as sharp as they once were. Cause I've seen my accuracy de deteriorate when I was, when before I could Robin Hood an arrow. Now it's like, I'm barely able to get them in a tight group. But then again, I also have a, uh, ruined too many arrows because there's a few arrows sitting up on top of his rack that's been robin hooded heck yeah yeah i know that uh feeling of losing your all eyesight all too well man i i missed i think i missed like four deer this year i missed like three nose and a buck uh yeah it's that time it's that time to go get these eyes checked for real because i don't I don't like, I don't go out there and spend all my time and money out there to be unsuccessful. So whether I look goofy or not, it might be time for some glasses. There you go. And then if your eyes are in a good enough situation when you do LASIK, there's always that option. But then in the meanwhile, you can always get a magnifier too. And it's not that expensive. You can pick a kit up for like 114 bucks. Well, depends on what site setup you have. I'm just basing off my experience with HHA because they have the one, three quarters, one and five eighths or two inch housings. And they make lens kits for those particular housings. And they do two, four, six. And I think Sherlock does up to eight X, I believe, but anything over a six X you need to clarifier. And that gets to be a very expensive peep. It's like a hundred and some dollar people. It's like 150 bucks for that people alone. It gets real spendy as, but it, there's people out there that uh, take their archery very seriously. Most of them people I've met that actually utilize the duo, uh, a six extra strong or stronger that they do target archery, they do spots. They do three, they do a lot long distance shooting, mostly spots essentially. And that's why they go for that route. I mostly hunt so and then, then the summertime i do my 3d shooting so i'm just looking forward to getting out there and flinging them some pointed sticks down range i actually try to do uh we got a spot down here in owen county indiana a 3d shoot man i've, I've never done one i've actually i actually want to try one i think it'd be fun i might lose a couple arrows but you know if you practice enough and you're confident with your because most the, all the shoots that I've done for the last couple of years, I think the longest shooting shots I've ever made on a, on a, in a club setting is like 40 yards. Now, if you're shooting with the devil himself, uh, Brian Austin from Beast Mode Archery, you're looking, you're shooting over hills. You're shooting 60, 70 yards out. Oh man, he, 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 he makes it challenging for you. Like there was this one shot that we had to put on this mountain, Billy goat. It's, it was 51 yards out, but the way it came out, the way it was set up, it was just cresting over the, this pile of dirt. So all you could see was just its back. That's all you could see. So shooting an arrow up over that and landing into the kill zone. And I didn't get it. I did. I did. I got an eight on that, but that was still pretty. No, no, I got a five. Cause I hit a body shot. My partner, she hit an eight. Cause it just like, just how it landed for her arrow and everything. That is just some challenging shots. But, uh, Brian is quite the, he's a mastermind behind it. He does. Um, he's going to, he has a big King of the Hill 3d shoot coming up in, 
happened in July. It's the last week of July. It's a three-day event. It's supposed last year it had 250 plus archers all across the country come up. We had some from Louisiana and Mississippi, obviously several from the, Miss, from the Midwest. This year is they're hoping to see upwards over 300. And they're doing three courses and they have Vortex and HHA. They have uh, Vector Arrows. They're, they plan on giving away thousands of dollars worth of prizes. Yeah, so it's going to be pretty cool. Um, Vortex has been very loyal with them and helping them give really good prices, like three hundred dollar range finders, six hundred dollar uh, glass or pair of lens or uh, to look for binos, and they they've really been helping them out and stuff. Like, and they're always big and obviously supporting um, uh, local business. And oddly enough, before Vortex was Vortex, Brian used to work for him. He used to I can't remember what. He used to work for he used to work, he used to work for Vortex before they were Vortex like twenty years ago. I can't remember the thing was oh, what the whole thing was. Their whole uh, company was based on bird watching, and it kind of plateaued. And I think they saw a demand for quality and uh, or for binos and and, and scopes and such. And they kind of switched their marketing, started going to the, towards that, and still the same family run unit and everything like that. And they they just opened up their own Vortex edges there. They, their own uh, gun range and they, they do drilling out there and such where they bring in uh, three gun and high competitive shooters and such and do drills for with police and such or also doing drilling for civilians so this way that if they have a home invader or something like that they know how to handle the corners and and working with darkness and such or using laser pointers on their guns and such just kind of teaching them some just the a basic set of skills so when things pop off they're going to be able to treat them like muscle memory and be able to de-escalate the situation however means whatever means necessary to to stop the threat that's pretty awesome it is it is pretty nice like the midwest is just all, all throughout i or indiana Ohio, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois. There's a lot of great companies out there that really primarily focus on the uh, the middle class bow hunter or the the rifleman. So there's there's we have a lot of perks up here that we we have the uh, uh, the ecosystem to be able to do it because we're so cold out of out of the months for the majority of the year. It just makes sense for them to have their factories up here. So what's next? So you said you got you got your birds hunting coming up here. So then, do you have any uh, bear? You've been applying for any bear tags? No, I've thought about it. Actually, it's one of my uh, bucket list hunts as a bear with a bow. But I'm pretty booked up this year. I didn't uh, I didn't kill a buck in 2021. So I've got some ground to cover there this year. I plan on turkey hunting three states. I'll be deer hunting more than likely three states. Bears coming. Bears coming in the next in the next three or four years. That's one of my goals is black bear with a bow. I, I do have a friend of mine that uh, he lives down in Iowa. He's been on the podcast a few times, Jeremy Schalter, and he's he's a trapper too as well. Knows his shit. Great 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 guy to talk to. Real salty gentleman. Uh, but he guides out there north in North Carolina for bear and turkey. Uh, he was telling me last year. So it's like if you if so if if it's one of those things where getting a tag or getting it or it's just not getting. You're not hitting that deadline the way you thought you would. It's like 3,500 or something like that for a currently what these are 20. These will quote, um, this is 2021 prices, 2022 have no idea. So things have could have changed, but 
if you he, he'll put you on a bear or turkeys too as well. They do a lot of combo hunts, so I think they do, they do combo hunts. I don't know. I I, I don't have a uh, hunt to go out there. I don't have a yearning to go on out there. But if I want to get a black bear, though, it's like I have somebody that would be able to put me on one without an issue. Yeah, man. Yeah, that'll be up. I might have to look into that. Yeah, I, I'll gladly get, get you his information. He's probably going to be heading out there pretty soon because uh, the turkey season and spring bear are going to be happening here all probably, all, yeah, all next month. They're all going to be opening up out there in North Carolina. So it could be an opportunity for it. I know it's like it'd be fun to go hunting with him out there in, in his element because he's from North Carolina. And it'd be fun just to be in his element, to uh, be sitting next to him and watch him call or be up in a tree stand waiting for that big black bear to show up. Heck yeah. I think that's one of the perks with hunting with somebody like you've never hunted with before. You know, if, if I hunt with somebody I've never, ever hunted with before, I'm not taking the reins on the hunt. More than likely, I'm just going to sit back, watch what they do. If there's probably something in what they're doing that I'll be able to take with me for the rest of my life, that it, it, it could be something so small, but it might make me a better hunter for the rest of my life. That is a good point right there. You know, is there, is there anything else that we missed? Cause we've, we've touched upon a lot of powerful topics here and personal growth. So anything you, anything that you have on your mind that we missed? No, sir. Everybody uh, keep being American and always listen to the Bucks of America podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for your kind words there, Wendell. Thank you so, so much for coming on folks. Uh, please go out and uh, find a solo hardcore hunter on Instagram and, and YouTube. He has a channel as well. Uh, this episode, or I think our last episode that we we're on, I think that's on YouTube right now. Um, just, just, just audio with slideshows, but this right here, this conversation will be on YouTube. So this way you can actually watch the full content. 